stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout again! This is Shot and Shield. Listening in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Hong Kong, China, and in Prague in the Czech Republic. I am your parliamentarian of the podcast, the Colonel of the Colonies, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida. This is a bonus episode of the Shot and Shield podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. In this bonus, I am joined by Edgar Pabon and Damien McComer, as they are the brains behind Blood and Steel Victorian Age Combat 1837 to 1901 from Firelock Games. And the presale is going on now. There is a YouTube called Blood and Steel to see videos about the mechanics of the game. And you know Firelock Games. They're the runner of that wicked popular Blood and Plunder pirate rule set. And now Edgar and Damien are giving us 19th century wargamers some serious excitement with the announcement of this rule set. Gentlemen, welcome to Shot and Shield. Thanks for having us. Look, the pleasure is all mine. Your pre-sale is going on now. How excited are you guys? Lord, ah, through, through the moon. How long has this uh, project taken you? It's been well, about it's, a year and say, well, yeah, I guess just, it's just about two, two years. Yeah, about yeah. a year and a half or so. A year and a half. So how'd this start? Uh, I had this idea of uh, getting some uh, rules for, uh, this is going to differ a little bit, but it was for Napoleonic skirmish gaming. Uh, there are several rules out of, uh, for that, uh, but after I saw what uh, Rufus and his son Kai had done with the Blood and Valor rules, which is the Blood and Plunder in World War I, mm-hmm. I realized that you know there is a possibility for us to use a really good game mechanic uh, that, that Firelock has come up with. Uh, for skirmish gaming, and that uh, we could probably work it out with Napoleonics. And that was the original idea. I told Damien about it. He jumped on board. Uh, he's been a godsend when it comes to that. And uh, we started working on it. I pitched it to the folks at uh, Firelock Games. We made some changes based on wh- some plans that they have for the future that we're not allowed to talk about. And uh, we tw- swi- switched it. Secrets? Yeah, Ooh. switched it out from Napoleon's Victorian Age combat, uh, especially since what we're trying to do, what we're doing is mechanically, uh, the flavor, the feel of it is going to be right in between the two sets that are already out. Um, if you're familiar with both of those sets, you're going to understand how our game is, is fitting right in between the two of them. So, Damien, is this your guys' first rule set? Yes. So you must be doubly excited, right? Hugely. A little tired, too. I can imagine you'd be really tired. And now that your game, Blood and Steel, Victorian Age Combat, 1837 and 1901, Firelock Games, it's on pre-sale now. In your minds, are you thinking, oh, I have an idea. I, I, I know what's next. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, there's a lot of those moments in, as, as we were working on this uh, project of love. Um, it's one of those things we have daytime jobs. We decided to work on this uh, as a can we do this? Is there, there's a challenge here and let's make it fun. So uh, we were able to, we feel like we were able to pull that off and we've already played it at several conventions. Uh, so other people have been able to, to get a taste of it and see how it works. And um, I, I think it's been quite successful and uh, we get nothing but um, good praises. A few, every once in a while, a few are, are great critical comments on, on things uh, that people expect uh, Victorian Age combat to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's worked out really well. What do you think, Damien? Uh, yeah, I think overall it's been pretty good. I think people always have their favorites and they always want something a little bit, you know, for an advantage on their particular uh, 
theater of war that they're interested in. But overall, yeah, I think it's been really good. It's, it's it has been extremely exciting. Um, it's 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 one of those things as as we've been getting closer and closer to this. It's it's becoming more and more real, but it's still a bit surreal at times. Absolutely. When you said you first thought about this for Napoleonics. What brought you into the Victorian age? Yeah, if we're being completely honest, Fowler Games, excuse me, has a a plan for what they're going to be doing. Gotcha. And gotcha. so when we brought that up, uh, that may or may not conflict with some of the things that we're already planning to do. Gotcha. Damien? Actually, I, I remember something different. I remember it being a convenience of available figures that really got us started in the time period. Now, when that got narrowed down, probably was after that conversation, but we started playtesting with what was available that we had, honestly. That's the way I remember it, but maybe... maybe yeah, actually, it's, it's pretty much both. But yeah, now, the conversation probably did narrow that down or narrow, exclude early 1800s. Now, with the pre-order going on now for Blood and Steel, without giving away you know, the whole details of the game, right? What one thing will surprise the war gamer when they pick up this book? Um, I really, I, I'm drawing a blank here. I really don't know. I guess I have one. Oh, go, go for it. All right, Edgar. We're going to pre-release this game with available models. So you'll be able to buy the rules and models that go with it. It's going to be like a one-stop shop. Now, we're not going to include models uh, right away with, for all of the conflicts that we'll have in the core book. But uh, that's going to be a biggie. I think that's going to get a lot of people very excited about it. So you're saying that I, I don't have to get any new figures. I can play with the set I have right now. That's what you're saying? Yes. Is it going to matter if they're mounted on single bases or in trays or multiple figs on one base? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the rules were written for basically single or use, but mm -hmm. if they're already based to the point where you can't remove them, uh, you could just use some casualty markers or something just to keep track of who's not really there anymore because it is a you lose a guy, you remove the guy type of game. Right. Now we're talking skirmish level action, but there's different skirmish level types of action. What kind of skirmish level are you specifically saying here? We're, we're talking about skirmish, what we call a skirmish game in, in gaming, meaning that it's a relatively low model count, not a large mass battle game. But it's also a skirmish game in that what we are, our focus is on the skirmish line of warfare in the age of Victoria. So we don't so much have the form units, you know, changing formations and things like that. These are the okay. skirmishers. These are the guys that are up, up as a picket fighting each other and then uh, working on special missions like raiding over here or trying to fridge okay. or uh, going on patrol and things like that. So if you think about it, to give you an idea, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Prince Louis, the French prince that got killed in Zululand mm -hmm. on a patrol. Right. Uh, it's not the kind of thing that we usually will game out uh, with most rule sets because it's a relatively low um, budget affair, if you will. Not many models. He was just right. part of a troll and uh, he got ambushed and got killed. We know about it because it was him getting killed. Right. There were hundreds, thousands of those type of uh, events happening in any one of these conflicts that we don't know anything about. Uh, so that's kind of our, where our focus is. It's not just a skirmish as in fewer models, but also as the skirmish set as in we don't have a lot of um, um sorry we don't have a lot of models but we also are fighting the skirmish line so if i were putting together a game let's say mexican-american war which is in your rule set i'm needing uh, 10 figures 20 figures what what what, what are we talking ah uh, 
Damien's going to take this one. He's the Mexican-American war expert right now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, most of, the, most of the units are probably going to start around four figures. Uh, some are going to top out at 10. Most are going to probably top out at eight. So in a, in a say, a 150-point game, you're probably looking at between 25 and 35 per side. Um, again, depending on what units you take. Okay. And we have six missions in the core rulebook that are randomized. So, yeah, you could have one side uh, trying to raid an objective from the other side, and the other side could be trying to ambush. And neither side knows what their actual mission is until later in the game when you finally see what the other guy's doing. You'll probably figure it out. So just a reminder, I'm talking with Edgar and Damien, the brains behind Blood and Steel, Victorian Age Combat, 1837 and 1901 from Firelock Games. It's on pre-sale right now, all right? And just as a heads up, you know, uh, yours truly, uh, no compensation for this. This is something that I feel that as a 19th century war gamer, you need to be aware of. And so when I saw that Firelock Games was going to put out this uh, new 19th century war game, you know, I reached out to Edgar and Damien and said, hey, look, guys, can you come on? And I'm really happy that uh, you guys have come on to talk about this. Now, I want to get into a few of the details, something that I found really, really interesting. Some of the theaters that you're paying attention to in this rule set, Mexican-American War, U.S. Civil War, Spanish-American War, Anglo-Zulu War, and the Maori Wars, and the Second Seminole War, which I have seen so little of being represented in 19th century wargaming. So how do you guys say, hey, look, we, let's put this in our book? Well, that one's a combination of factors. Uh, one of them is model availability. Another one is both uh, Damien and I also live in Florida, so we, are, we were looking for something uh, close to home that we could research and things like that. And then the, the most important factor perhaps is the one that you kind of queued up on, which is th this is something you're not going to find someplace else. Right. So we, we're going to have to give you something that, that people are expecting, like your, like you said, the Zulu War, the American Civil War. But there are other wars that are pretty important ones, um, like the Spanish-American War, for example, where sure. you, you don't see a whole lot of rule sets that we are also covering the Second Taranaki War, which is a part of the New Zealand Wars. There were there were wars in New Zealand all the time, uh, mm -hmm. battles and combats and stuff. But um, one of our good friends here in Jacksonville uh, is New is from New Zealand, so um, we made sure that uh, we we cover his heritage in our rule set by incorporating one of these periods that are not super highly known about, um, but are a ton of fun to play. Right, uh, and so hopefully we can introduce that sort of thing to our gaming brethren. So you guys have the YouTube page, Blood and Steel, where you guys cover some of the mechanics of the game, but you're also going to be hosting a weekend setup at Recon in Orlando, right? Your debutante ball, your coming out party. Yeah, that's that's it. That's where everything's going to be out then. So how many games do you guys think you're going to be running at uh, Recon? You're talking uh, three games, four games, six games? We won't sleep then. Uh, no, uh, we're, we're, we're basically going to cover each of the conflicts covered in the core book. So we're going to take a battle from each of those and run them from, uh, I think, basically Friday morning through Saturday evening. Uh, the way the convention is structured, uh, there are three gaming sessions per day, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. So we're going to have one game of Blood and Steel going on each one of those sessions. I'd like to get into a little bit of, the, of, of some of your games that you have planned. Anglo-Zulu War, it is a 19th century wargaming staple. What's, what's your flavor going to be like? 
So Anglozilla War is, is basically a good starting point for us to um, go into further colonial period um, conflicts that the British were involved with, you know, with uh, in Egypt, Sudan, um, uh, India, Indian revolt and things like that. So um, this one's a good one. Everybody is fairly easy to get models for for this period. So it's a good starting point for us. And it gets uh, everyone an idea of what uh, they're going to be like. And, and the neat thing about the Zulu War is you have uh, one side that is highly technical, uh, has all the latest technology versus another one that is highly spirited. Uh, when they come into contact with you, it's going to hurt. Right. But in the meanwhile, uh, they've, they've been trying to find ways to not get killed on the way in. So that's the, that's the interesting bit about that one is uh, uh, giving you the good flavor. The British are going to be able to fire fairly well. But then when the Zulus uh, finally close in, they'll have larger units. And so when they finally close in, um, they'll do their thing. So that was one thing I was wondering about because it's a skirmish game. So you're looking at maybe eight, nine British uh, figures to 25 Zulus. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, it's going to be, it, it, the, what we're trying to uh, work with the Zulus here is, you know, you may have an MP or a large regiment of Zulus, if you will. Um, but they also have their little scouts and, and, and smaller units out there looking for the enemy and patrolling ahead of the main column. That's where our combat is. It's, it's with those, those smaller groups. Um, as an example, uh, as Damien said earlier, uh, the British will, you, you get to buy your units. Uh, there's a point value for each model, uh, but we do have restrictions on how large units can be. So the British could be between four and eight models, whereas the Zulus can have as many as 10 in the units. And because they don't cost as much, you'll likely have more Brit uh, Zulu units, you'll have British units. So uh, especially when you start throwing things like artillery or a Gatling gun, uh, those, those chew up some points are there. So uh, even more Zulus coming in and differentiating them uh, between married and unmarried, uh, having some elite Zulu units as well. Uh, again, all of this part of uh, some kind of skirmish line that's ahead of the main group. Uh, the main group, we would play a main group with a different kind of rule set, maybe like a, a black powder or something like that. So, right, right, right. Once again, the game is Blood and Steel, Victorian Age Combat, 1837 and 1901. Firelock Games is the company. Edgar and Damien are the brains. The pre-sale is going on now. Damien, just real quick, what do you want the gamer to take away from this game? Oh, I think basically uh, having a good time trying to get a flavor for the, the time period. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Just having a good time and, and trying to, to capture the flavor of each of the conflicts. And again, it's a jumping off point. There's been a lot of uh, interaction with folks who've had suggestions or they want every little conflict, every little skirmish <laughs> in the uh, entire range in the, in the original release, which would be ideal, but um you know, it'd be a Cyclopedia Britannica size. So right. uh, just because it's not being hit right this red hot second, we are going to get to those and, and explore more um, and, and dig into it. But yeah, just having a good time and, and starting out and, and joining us and obviously contributing with uh, thoughts and, and, uh, and feedback. And Edgar, let me talk about the 19th century for a second, because even on this podcast, the Shot and Shield podcast, 19th century is replete with conflicts to choose from. 
from the Hungarian Revolution, which we've talked about here on the show, to the Indian Mutiny, which we've talked about on the show, Franco-Prussian War, Russo-Japanese War, Sudan conflicts, Egypt, Palestine. How do you choose these theaters without upsetting somebody? Yeah, we had to make some decisions and uh, uh, we decided to go this way, just have a core book with some starter forces and then uh, do supplements afterwards to look deeper into because uh, even in this book, you're going to get some units and things, but especially in ACW, you're going to see people going, well, there's this is missing and that is missing. It, it is. Yeah, we know this is the starting point. We're going to go more historical, more in depth uh, with a specific book that is nothing but whatever conflict that is. Uh, hey, Damon, you want to go ahead and give a little spoiler about what the next, what our, our first supplement might be about? Well, it's probably going to be in Europe and probably going to be French and Germans. So, mm. yeah, something like that. One empire ends, the other one begins. <sighs> French and German, huh? That's a stumper. I'm not sure if I can think of anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's just about. So I, there are three things that we're most proud of, and I think uh, that's worked out really well for our game. First, the initiative system is different than the Blood and Plunder and the Blood and Valor one. It 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 was purposely made so that there's a there's a lot of randomization in it. We know it uh, because there is a meta within the initiative system where both players get to see what each other's initiative values are, and you get to bid against each other. So especially if you're playing against one of your buddies and you know how they play really well, that creates a game within the game. And so we're really happy with how that has turned out. Uh, second one is our mission system so that we don't always play the same mission or uh, we're not always going against each other for the same objectives. Um, it, it's possible that you can both have the same mission, but it's also very likely that you won't and you won't know what the other guy has until maybe later on as you get accustomed to the game, you'll be able to figure out where, what the other guy's going for. And the third is, you know, the, the issue with this 1837 and 1901 is the Industrial Revolution brought in such a technological uh, leapfrog in, 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 in weapons and things, going from a smoothbore muscle-loading musket to a repeating rifle, basically, at the mm -hmm. end of the time, uh, or magazine-fed rifles. Um, to do that in a way that works um, to the point where you could, I mean, we're not condoning it, but it's possible to have some crazy like uh, Zulus against Confederates. Yeah, you could possibly do that. You know, I've heard that uh, imagination games, that's where it's at. <laughs> Edgar, Damien, unfortunately, our time has run out, but I appreciate you coming on Shot and Shield. Thanks for giving us the opportunity. Absolutely. Honor. You've been listening to a bonus edition of the Shot and Shield podcast. I've been joined by Edgar Pabone and Damian McComer, the brains behind Blood and Steel Victorian Age Combat 1837 and 1901 from Firelock Games. This pre-sale is going on now. And I did get some notification from Firelock. This is how the pre-order works. It's gonna the book is gonna be 39 bucks. Once the pre-order is over, then that book is gonna go to 45. Get your pre-order in. You know I'm gonna get mine, <laughs> and you know me. I love I love my uh, men who will be kings. You know I love my game, uh, but uh, I'm always up to uh, take a look at other games as well. Make sure to check out Edgar and Damien's YouTube channel, Blood and Steel, to see all the videos about the mechanics of the game, and make sure to join their Facebook group, Blood and Steel Victorian Age Combat 1837 and 1901. And you've been listening in Brisbane, Australia. Tel Aviv, Israel, and Miami, Florida. I am Lord Scott, and I'm out.
This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity. 13!